Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday sermon series, The Table. In this series, we focus on the seat we all have access to at the Lord's table, as well as the community around us. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. Praise God. Good morning, everyone, or good afternoon. We appreciate all of you being here. Turn to someone and tell them you're in the right place today. You are in the right place today. We appreciate all of you being in the house of God, and we're uh, just excited about what the Lord's doing. And, of course, uh, we're sad we're not having our picnic today, man. I'm telling you, I was looking forward to this picnic and having a great time and sitting at the table with everybody. But uh, just just didn't happen, so we'll have to see what we'll do. Maybe on Father's Day, we'll just kind of just barbecue out there. What do you guys think? I'm I'm serious. <laughs> We, we're talking about maybe just having you guys out there barbecuing uh, between services and hot dogs, hamburgers, and whatever else you want to eat. We're just going to eat early. We don't care. And then you can go out and eat after with your whole family if you have anything left. But anyway, we just may do it. Don't be surprised. We're going to see what's going to happen. But uh, we're in this new series called The Table. And Jesus tells a number of uh, parables, a number of stories in the book of Luke uh, concerning banquets, concerning a feast, and you'll be surprised that the center of Jesus's ministry really evolved around a table many times, and especially the book of Luke. They say that you can literally eat your way through the book of Luke, and there's so many places in there that Jesus mentions the banquet, and he mentions a, a table where they're eating, and so many times, and so I ministered on that last week and kind of just giving you a brief summary of what we're talking about. Repeatedly, in the book of Luke, uh, Jesus is telling us to come to the table, no matter what the condition of your life is, whether you feel far from God or you feel distant from God, or maybe at some point you felt very close to God, and then now you kind of feel like, man, I don't know, and God is saying, come to the table. He's saying to all of us in this church, whoever you are, whatever walk of life you come from, that you are welcome to the table. How many are happy to know that, that you're welcome to the table? And last week I talked about how Jesus was saying uh, part of the table manners or the table etiquette that don't try to sit at the seat of honor, but seat, but sit at a place of a lower seat so that Jesus can call you up to a seat of honor. And he's the one that calls us up. And so we talked about the different etiquettes when you sit at a table. M many of you remember this. Your mom taught you when you sat at the table, you don't eat with your mouth open. All the food coming out, right? You don't do that. You don't talk with your mouth open. You don't reach over and grab salt. You ask for it, right? These are table etiquettes or table manners. So <clears throat> what we're finding and when we talk about the table is the table is really a place where uh, it's a place of connection. Uh, there's probably not more of an intimate place where we can really talk with our family and talk with others and friends and connect with people, uh, uh, you know, when you're sharing a meal around the table. And it shouldn't surprise us that some of the most significant things that God does, uh, even in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, surround the table. Most of you know the, uh, the, the table uh, or the uh, Passover meal in the Old Testament, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, is done at the table. 
Of course, the communion, and Jesus is at the table. And so two of the most significant moments in Scripture are really around the table. So it really tells us there's something there when it comes to the table. In fact, I believe when it comes to eating and getting around the table is that food is God's love language. All right, come on. Think about it, that God gave us 10,000 taste buds. There are 10,000 taste buds. I mean, if food was just to consume, then we wouldn't have to taste everything. But God made it so you have 10,000 tastes, but you have 10,000 ways to eat your food, man, and enjoy it. And did you know, did you know that every two weeks, your taste buds are replaced? That's right. Now, here's the bad thing. The older you get, they don't get replaced. And so they said, by the time you're in your 60s, you only got 5,000. Yep, that's going to happen. It's just this way it is. And here's another one. If you smoke, you're killing your taste buds. I'm just saying, okay, I'm just saying, I'm just telling you. And so really, there's something about a food and there's something about the table that gives us that capacity to enjoy and to have great delight. In fact, yesterday, I got my 10,000 taste buds in action and uh, Sister Annie took my wife and I to eat Korean food in Koreatown. Man, we had a great time. Uh, Mikey was there. We went there. And I was eating food. I didn't even know what was in front of me. So I'm asking Annie, I go, Annie, what is all this? And she starts saying them. And so I, I, so I said, well, can you send me what it is? And one of it was uh, bogogi. Bogogi, it's the beef. Very great tasting beef. Another one was kimchi. I ate some kimchi. And yesterday, and I, most of you know this, I don't eat fish. Jesus gave it away. He didn't eat it. You know, he just said, hey, you can have it, you know. <laughs> yeah, take the fish. Go ahead. Take it by the, by the boatload, you know. So anyway, but, I, but yesterday, they, they brought some stuff. And I go, what is that, Annie? I go, it looks white. I'm thinking, and she goes, no, that's fish. She goes, that's not only fish, that's catfish. So I said, okay, just try it. I'm, I'm here. We're going to do this. This was Korean gourmet. We were eating Korean gourmet. And I said, I might as well just try it. And, man, I, that thing's just like, man, it just kind of melted as I was eating. And I go, put another piece on here, man. We're going <laughs> to put some kimchi on it, you know, and we're going we're gonna to get this going. You know, we, we're going to get these taste buds in action. And uh, I really enjoyed that time. Thank you, Annie. Man, get, I appreciate her taking... We, we've been working on luncheon for six years, haven't we? She's been telling me, Pastor, I want to take you to eat there, you and your wife. And so finally, we, we had a time to go and really enjoyed that. But there's a blessing when it comes to eating around uh, the table with others. In fact, one of the ancient prayers, one of the ancient Hebrew prayers went this way. Blessed are you, O Lord, King of the universe, for you give us food to sustain our lives and make our hearts glad. So I, I believe it's time to recover the importance of getting around the table because it's not just enjoying a good meal, but I believe it's the gift of God. I believe that we come together no matter how elaborate. In fact, it doesn't even have to be that elaborate. It can just be a simple meal time together where we sit around the table and we begin to talk and, and connect. It's really powerful when we do that. In fact, you'll find when you sit at the table, most of you know this, especially when you come with your family, there comes the moment during the meal or even sometimes after the meal where you begin to share memories. Am I right? And you begin to talk about funny things and silly things that you used to do, 
things that you used to say, and uh, sometimes there even uh, conversation gets a little bit more serious where you talk about the battles that you went through or the battles that you're coming out of, certain things that were going on in your life or have been going on in your life, and this is the time where you really are connecting, and then sometimes when you go to a family member's house or to your mom's house or uh, to a, a tia's house, whoever it is, your auntie's house, you go. And then it's not as popular as it used to be, but back then they used to come out with a big photo album. How many know what I'm talking about? And usually when they came out with a photo album, you rolled your eyes like, oh, no. Because as you begin to look through the photo album, there are old pictures of you in the photo album. And you said, oh, my goodness. And then everybody's laughing at you because you thought you were so cool. Remember that? You thought you were so cool. And then you look at you and go, I was wearing that. What kind of hairdo is that? Oh, my goodness. Why would I do this? And so everybody's laughing. They're having a great time. And, uh, you know, my wife and I, we still have a bunch of photo albums there at the house. You remember, you put the pictures, you put the plastic over them and all that. We have a bunch of them. Uh, my brother gave me this photo album uh, a number of years ago with my mom and dad in the front there. And it's all our family. And I, I really appreciate that. But in the spirit of remembering, I got a few photos I want to show you of, and might tell you a little bit about me. So that's, see me, that's me in the back back there, seeing that bomber jacket. That's uh, 1978, and uh, that is, uh, I was 13 years old, and these guys are pretty rough guys. They may not look rough to you, but those dudes are really rough guys, and uh, most of them are dead. Um, and so, uh, but my brother and a couple other guys are still alive. Of course, me, I'm still there anyway. Uh, but uh, back then, I was trying to be cool, and thank God, uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't carry that out. So go ahead, the next thing. The next picture, that's me and my wife during our prom. Yeah, great-looking lady. And uh, we, we, we went to our prom, had a great time. The next picture, let's see where we're at. That's me there. I don't even know where we're at, but she's looking like a, a Grease Olivia Newton-John there and had that kind of a look. It's really cool. And then, somebody said, you need to bring those shirts back. No, we don't. Keep them buried. Let's go on to the next thing. That's us on our wedding, 1984. We're 19 years old, and uh, there we are. And I thought I was so much older. And I look back, I go, man, I look like a kid. I can't believe it. Go ahead, the next one. Uh, those, that's, remember, how many remember that old furniture? So somebody gave us that furniture. We were so poor, we needed furniture. That was out of style back then. Could you imagine how old that thing was? But we got it. Hey, man, I need a couch. So look at the old phone there. Go ahead, the next picture. That's me in my homie days and my cholo days. <laughs> now, nah, don't believe that. That's just a drama. I'm in a drama. People go, man, what's going on? My wife reluctantly smiled and said, hey, I said, honey, come here. Let's take a picture together. She goes, we're not taking a picture with that. But anyway, there it is. Let's, let's go to the next thing. And that's us with our first Christmas together. And all we have with little Omar, that's 19, that's 1989, because that's the year... Because, yeah, a year, 1989, first Christmas. Go ahead, the next one. And then our family started to grow a little bit there. There's Isaiah. There's me with those funky suspenders. It's all right. <laughs> and then finally, let's see, the, that's all of us today. Isn't that awesome? We've got a grandbaby. That's all of us. 
appreciate that. You can take it down. I, I didn't add the last picture of the first service, and people say, what about your other kids? I go, okay, we got everybody covered now. And so that you know that I love everyone. I love everybody the same. But anyway, let's move on. So, um, again, when we talk about the table and the time to remember and we get together, it does bring some connection, and we can look back and say, look at man, this is where we've been. This is what's happened. And, and of course, you... Uh, of course, nowadays, people, uh, if you have old friends, they, they find a, an old box of pictures, and what do they do? They tag you on Facebook, right? Every old picture, all of a sudden, one, one of your friends decides today they're going to post all the old pictures of you and tag you. How many can say, remove the tag, right? Uh, all of these things happen. And so, again, we have to learn how to remember because remembering is something that's special, especially uh, men here today. You need to remember your anniversaries. You need to remember birthdays. Yeah, there's some one lady saying, yes, that's right. And, uh, uh, and things do remind us of, of certain things. If, if you go to a certain place, and you smell a certain amount of food, or you smell something, you go, this reminds me of my grandmother's food. Or if you smell some perfume, this reminds me of my wife. This reminds me of my husband and all these different things. And we all have these memories that go along. And I believe that memories are not only important to us, but they're important to God. And so when you begin to read the Scripture, you're going to find that remembering is very important to God. In fact, there are various places in Scripture where God says, I want you to do this as a memorial to me, as a remembrance of what I did. Uh, he said, build this altar so that you can remember what I did that day. Uh, get these stones and pile them up over here so you can remember my power and what I did and my delivering power in your life that day. So over and over, God wants us to remember. In fact, Psalm 77, let's turn there. I think the, the verse will be on the screen there, verse 11. It says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember. Say remember. I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the word of God is so precious. We thank you, God, that we can remember that, God, that you remind us of your power. And, Lord, your word reminds us of what you've done in our lives. God, maybe we're not where we want to be, but thank God we're not where we used to be. And, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, you found us when we were lost, and, God, you touched our lives. And so we're thankful for that. We remember that today. And Lord, minister to every person in this building, wherever they're at in their life right now. Remind them today, God, that you love them. And, Father, I pray for the anointing of your spirit as I declare your word and let your people hear the voice behind the voice. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give God praise. That's good. So one of the early scriptures or one of the early things that God teaches the Jewish people early on is to remember the day that they got delivered from Egypt. Most of you remember the story. They had been uh, in slavery for 400 years. Pharaoh had uh, been the ruler and kept uh, these slaves for 400 years. And finally, they call upon God and God responds and send them a man by the name of Moses. And we know Moses tells Pharaoh, let my people go. But Pharaoh's a stubborn guy. How many know some stubborn people? 
And this guy's stubborn. He says, no, I'm not going to let him go. And so finally, uh, 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 God speaks to Moses and said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to have a Passover meal of unleavened bread. And what I want you to do that day is I want you to cut a lamb, an unblemished lamb, and I want you to grab or get the blood of that lamb and put it over the doorpost or the doorway over your house or over, over the doorway of your home, of every home, uh, of every Hebrew home. Uh, and therefore, when the judgment came, because it was the tenth plague, and God, through Moses, told Pharaoh, this is going to be the tenth plague. Every firstborn in your home is going to die. And so the Bible says judgment was coming upon Egypt. But the Bible says that they instructed the people to put this blood over their doorposts or their doorway. And what would happen is the judgment of God would pass over them. Pass over, you get it? Pass over the judgment, right? So God passed over their home and judgment came on all the Egyptians because they didn't believe that. They didn't put blood over their doorway. And so judgment came to their home and every firstborn died. And we know the story. Once that judgment came, Pharaoh's changed his heart, changed his mind because he realized God was a lot bigger than him. But the great thing about this particular scripture, this particular story, it's giving us a a really a, a foreshadow of who Jesus is because when he died on the cross and he shed his blood, God's judgment passed over you and now you're forgiven. How many thank God for that? And so it's a shadow of God or Jesus dying for us. In fact, when you look in the book of Luke chapter 20, uh, chapter 22, I believe, Jesus is sitting down at the table and at the table he's sitting with his disciples. And they don't even realize that at this table it's going to be the last meal that Jesus is going to have with his disciples that day. And as they're eating this meal together, Jesus gets a piece of bread and he breaks it. And he says, take this for this is my body. In other words, it's going to be broken on your behalf. And, he, and then, he, and then they, they drink uh, the, the wine there. And he said, this represents, excuse me, my blood, which will be shed for you. And that was a communion table. They didn't realize it that day. And Jesus said something very key in that particular chapter Luke chapter 22, he says, do this and what? Remembrance of me. I want you to remember this day at the table that we had that last supper together. I want you to remember that was the day that I told you I would give my life for you. And so every time you take communion, we're remembering what Jesus did for us. Can you say amen? And so here's what I want you to write down today. Here's my first point that I want to say to you today. Remembering God's faithfulness in the past, okay, will allow us to trust him in the present. Remembering God's faithfulness in the past will allow us to trust him in the present. See, the reason why many times we're not trusting God in the present moment is because you've forgotten what God did in the past. Don't we just have like amnesia sometimes? We just forget what God's already done. So we're complaining about our situation. We're complaining about our circumstance. We're saying, how is God going to do this? How in the world is God going to do this? And and, and you've forgotten God did all kinds of things before, but that don't count anymore. You forgot about that. 
And so God's saying to you and I, if we remember the things that are in the past, it will help us to trust him in the present. And that is why God is constantly throughout Scripture reminding us, telling us to remember, because if we can remember the things in the past, it will allow us to trust him in the present. In fact, you'll find this in Deuteronomy chapter 7 where Moses is leading the people of Israel. And again, they're out of Egypt and now they're going to go into the promised land. And he begins to instruct them to tell them, hey, let's get ready. Let's get ready to go. We're going to do this. God gave us this promised land, uh, uh, the land of Canaan. It's the land of destiny. It's the land of blessing. And they're going to go over and inherit the land. But there's one problem. They've got to go and defeat the enemy. See, many times you and I, in order to get God's promises, you got to fight for it. Sometimes we just want it all on the silver platter. You know, sometimes you got to fight for the blessing of God in your life. You got to really want it. Are you hearing me? You got to have a little ganas. You know what I'm saying? Some ganas, guys. Get some ganas in you. Say, you know what? I could do this. I need to fight for it. I need to do everything that I can. And so Moses begins to tell the people of God, hey, listen, I'm not going to go in there with you because you remember he was not allowed to go in the promised land. He said, but I'm going up and, and I'm, I'm going to the mountain. I'm going to be gone. But he tells them to remember what God has done for you. And again, the people of God are discouraged. They're not sure they could do this. And so this is what Moses says to them in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 17 he says you may say to yourselves these nations are stronger than we are how can we drive them out now before I go on it's not what happens to you it's the story you tell yourself are you listening to me what are you telling yourself because what you're telling yourself many times makes a difference. He said, you may say to yourself, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? But then he said, but do not be afraid of them. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid of them. He says, remember, here's the word, remember well. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. You saw with your own eyes. Turn to someone and say, your own eyes. Come on. I only have eyes for you. You saw with your own eyes the great trials, the signs, and the wonders, the mighty hand and outstretched arm, which the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord your God will do the same to all the people you now fear. Did you hear that? So he's telling them, what I need you to do is I need you to remember, amen, what God has done in the past, what he's done on your behalf. And when you remember that, you're going to be able to trust God in the present. Now, many times what happens is we forget what God has done, and so therefore we begin to do the wrong thing. Isn't it amazing how quickly we forget to do the right thing and how quick we are to do the wrong thing? In other words, you can be in church. Listen to me. This is important. We can be in church learning all this information, getting all this information about the word of God, but yet when it's time to put it to use, it's like we just forgot everything. We just did. I don't even know. You, you're, you're complaining. You have no faith. You don't trust God. You're, you're cussing out your neighbor, and you're saying, what, what happened? Did you just forget? They say within 72 hours... After hearing a speech or any sermon, you will forget 
70% of it. Do you know that? Yeah, it makes me discouraged when I think about that. I go, here I have worked hours and hours to put this together, and only for, in the next few days when I ask you what I preach on, you go, oh, I don't know, table? Something about table? Is that table? Yeah, what about the table? Oh, you know, let's be at the table. <laughs> They're not going to remember any point about remembering someone the other day. They didn't realize what a podcast was. And so I said, you could download a podcast on one of the apps, just download podcast, and then look up Praise Chapel Paramount. You will have all of the audio messages that's preached here in the last three or four years. So if you want to, and so I, I, will, I will, again, encourage you many times what I'll do if I want to listen to someone preaching or, or we have a guest speaker and I want to, I'll listen to that message three or four times because, believe it or not, when I hear it again, I said, man, I missed that the first time. Because what happens is when we hear a message, we're talking to ourselves what it means and you're listening to me. Many times, how many times I have sat at the table, I'm reminded of one particular time where I was at the table and I was talking to a young couple at that moment, you know, when all of it came out and she began to share what, had, what she had done and all these different things. And, of course, I, I began to look over and just really pray, God, give me some wisdom. And as I began to evaluate what God was doing, I could see that the Lord was speaking to her life. And she was deeply sorry for what she had done, not because she got caught, because she realized the hurt and the pain that she was causing her family and it was there she was repenting. And, and I, I began to pray, like, what, God, what, do you, what, what should we do? And, and I, I looked at the young man, and I said, what do you think? And he said, you know, I love my wife. And I'm going to believe God that God's going to restore this. And as we began to pray, God gave me a word to give them. And the word was simply this, you know, I know how tragic, and I know that you're hurting. I know how painful this all is. And what the devil has tried to turn to bad or try to make bad, I believe God's going to turn it around and make it for the good. And I said, you know what? As we sat there, I said, you know what? God's going to turn this around. And believe it or not, I'm believing one day you're going to have a very strong marriage. And then that God's going to use this moment so that you can minister to other people. And can I tell you what? Today, that couple is pastoring a church today, ministering to couples. Now, if you'd have been there, you probably wouldn't have saw them as the model couple. You probably wouldn't have thought, man, this couple is very strong. But see, you didn't know uh, what they went through and what God had uh, done through their lives. But today, they're just wonderful. You would never know that their marriage was broken. You would never know that they'd gone through what they'd gone through. And yet, today, they're ministering to so many, touching so many lives. And I can tell you, couple after couple that I've talked to, that I've had to contour through these things and seeing what God has done in their life. Because God today, friend, if he's faithful in the past, you can trust him in the present. Can you say amen? See, I know this today, that we have to remember what God has done. Now, maybe some of you right now in your marriage, you know, the, the, the vow said for better or for worse. Maybe right now it's the worst. But can I tell you something? God can turn it around for the better. Whatever you're going through in your life right now, I believe God can turn it around for the better. The second thing, write this down. Remembering God's faithfulness in the past directs our actions into the future. Remembering God's faithfulness in the past directs our actions in the future. Now, this is portrayed in a story that many of us are familiar with. How many remember the story 
of David and Goliath. How many remember that story? A lot of us do. If you're not familiar with that story, it's found in the book of 1 Samuel 17. And in that particular story, we know that this young shepherd boy ends up fighting a giant by the name of Goliath. And Goliath is, many estimate, about nine feet tall. His spear, just his spear, weighs 30 pounds. His sword weighs 125 pounds. He has an armor bearer that carries his shield. I mean, this guy is, this guy is huge. And, of course, we know that David is just a shepherd boy. He's inexperienced. Uh, uh, he's, not, uh, he's not grown up as a warrior as this giant has. This giant has grown up as a warrior since he was a kid. He's been in training since he was a child, and now he's this man, and he is mocking the armies of God. You know the story. For 40 days and 40 nights, he's calling out the people of God. He's saying, send out someone that will fight me. He said, man, if I win, you'll serve me. If you win, we'll serve you. Send somebody out. I don't know about you, but the worst thing is being a man and somebody's calling you out. You know what I'm talking about? You ever been there? You've ever been there with somebody? You're walking, you know, with your wife or, and kids, and somebody start talking to you, and you realize they're talking, you go, you talking to me? <laughs> and, and then obviously you go, hold this. When they start saying, hold this, it's going to get serious now. Hold this. Hold the, you didn't say that, did you? All right, I'm ready for this. Because nobody likes to be called out. Am I right? Nobody likes to be called out. And so this guy is calling out the people of God. And so all of a sudden, little David shows up, but I believe it all started at the table. Now, why do I say that? Because I believe that they were having breakfast that morning with his dad, and they were sitting down, and I believe at some point in the conversation, the dad said, wait a minute, you know, here we are having breakfast, and your brothers are out in the battlefield. And this is, look at what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 17. Now, Jesse said to his son, David... Take this ephod or ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses. We had the expression, they're eating cheese, man. To the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So here they are. They were probably having a meal together. Here was David and, and uh, his, his dad, Jesse, maybe the mom, maybe some other younger or other uh, smaller brothers or whoever was there, and they're having this meal. And somewhere along the line, the dad says, wait a minute. You know what? We're having this great meal, but your brothers are out in the battlefield. So he said, I want you to get some bread together. I want you to get some cheese, and I want you to go take it to your brother's to see how they're doing, and bring me back the news of how your brothers are doing. And so we pick up the story. David shows up. He hears that this giant is calling out people, and he says, hold this. He tells somebody, hold the bread. Hold the cheese. What? Who's the giant? I, I'm just adding that. Anyway, so he goes. He does say this, though. He does say, uh, uh, he says, who... Uh, uh, you know, I'll fight the Philistine. And so word gets back to the king who's in the tent. 
course, he's hiding. He ain't doing nothing. And he's in the tent. And so they go tell him, hey, there's a young man by the name of David that's willing to take on the giant. And so King Saul says, bring him in here. I want to talk to him. And so here's this small shepherd boy, young boy. He comes in. He says, you know what? I'll take on this Philistine. Don't, don't be discouraged. He said, let your heart not be discouraged. He said, I'll take on this Philistine giant. And King Saul said, wait a minute, hold on. I know you're a little excited. You know, you got a lot of testosterone going on in you right now. But, you know, you need to calm down, man. You know, you don't realize who you're going up against. He said, this giant has experience. He's been a warrior since he was a kid. He goes, you're a shepherd boy. I mean, I mean, what can you do with a little stick? I mean, you can't do much. And, and besides, he's a lot bigger than you. I mean, look at the size of you. So all of a sudden, here's what I like what little David says to him because this is really important. He says this to him in 1 Samuel 17, verse 34. He said, but David said to Saul, your servant has been, in other words, he's remembering has been keeping his father's sheep. In other words, I've been taking care of my father's sheep. This is what I've been doing. You don't even realize this. He says, when a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was them and a lion or a bear came and took your sheep, I said, hey, another one bites the dust. What can I tell you? <laughs> one down a few more to go anyway but this guy the bible says he went after it he struck it rescued the sheep from its mouth i mean just rescuing it i would have been good with that but when he turned on me i seized it by its hair i struck it and i killed it your servant has killed both the lion not just the lion but and the bear i mean man this guy's bad he goes, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And he said, the Lord be with you. Now, I want you to understand, you know why David said uncircumcised Philistine? Because he's saying this guy's not even circumcised. He doesn't have covenant with God. He doesn't know God like I do. But I have a covenant with the living God, and I'm going to take him down just like I did. The lion and the bear. See, I love this God confidence that David has. He remembering what God did in the past, and he goes, and he's going to do it today. I'll take Goliath down. Just give me a stone. That's all I need. Man, I'm going to do an aerial shot. I'm going to do a drone shot. I'm not even going to have hand-to-hand combat with this guy. And he takes him down. We know the story. And maybe your marriage right now, it's in a bad place. Maybe you're saying, man, I, I don't know if it's going to make it. Can I tell you, if you stay in the game, you'll see victory. If you stay in the game, you'll see victory. See, maybe you're struggling in your walk with God right now because many times people struggle in their walk with God and there's reasons why they struggle because what happens is uh, we, we, we do good and when we're doing good, we forget about God and we do bad again and then we call on God and God helps us. How many know the people of Israel did that? They, they do good, they forget about God, they call on God, God delivers them. Then they do good again, forget about God, call upon God, and then God delivers them. How many know what I'm talking about? And the reason why that happens, because immature people have to stay in crisis in order to stay committed. Did you hear me? 
immature people have to stay in crisis in order to stay committed. We have to be under pressure in order to pray. Things have to go wrong in order for us to come to church. But what happens is when things are going good, you're nowhere around. Because you got to get back in a crisis again. And see, I want you to realize something. You'll never evolve into where God wants you to be until you learn how to trust God. Whether it's good or bad, I'm still serving God. Whether it's a good season or a bad season. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what season it is, rain or shine. We're like the post office. We're going to serve God, rain or shine. We're just going to serve God. We're going to have the joy of God. See, there has to be a point in your life where your walk with God is evolving because many times what happened is when we relied on God, what we relied on God in the first point, first seasons of our life, we're not on relying on God now anymore, and so therefore we're doing better. For instance, let me just give you an example. Maybe when you first came to God, you were relying on God for money. And, of course, now God bless you. You're not relying on God for that anymore. And so now you don't know what else to rely on God for because now you got the money, you got a job, you're doing all right, and so you're moving on. Are you listening to me? So you may not need a, you may not need a job, but you still need joy. You may not need money, but you still need God to heal your mind. You still need God's power working in your life. And see, maybe you don't need all these things anymore, but you still need him actively operating and strengthening and empowering your life. Somebody say amen. You may be able to pay your lease, but you need God's peace. I just made that up. But anyway, um, I didn't say that in the first service, did I? So there it is. See, he was there. I didn't say it in the first service. And so here we go. So what about our children? What about people that we've been praying for? You know, we're saying, God, please. And, and, and we got to learn how to hold on to the promises of God. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way they will go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. So I believe we got to hold on to the promises of God, no matter what's going on in our life, no matter what season's happening. I love what King David says in Psalms 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house forever. He's saying God is going to vindicate me in the midst of my enemy. In other words, uh, God's going to give you a table in the middle of the wilderness uh, so you can tell the devil, you know what, watch me. I'm going to be eating. I'm going to be celebrating. I'm going to be, you know what, uh, I'm going to raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemy. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. I'm going to get a little louder. How many can get a little louder? And I'm going to praise God. That's what I'm talking about this morning. We've got to know, God says this in Jeremiah, for I know the plan that I have for you, declared the Lord. They're plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and the future. we got to remember God has something good in store for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God has something good for you. He does. And so here's the last thing I want to leave you with tonight or this morning or this afternoon. We'll get it right one way or another. Is... 
what you determine today or make, make do this, the, the, the decision that you make today will determine your memories for tomorrow. Let me say that again. The decision that you make today will determine your memories for tomorrow. See, let me just say this to you. You can't change the past, but you can change the future. See, when I talk about remembering, when I talk about looking back, some of us say, I don't want to remember. Man, the memories are bad. The memories are terrible. I understand that. Man, when I look back, there's nothing good. Well, I'm, I'm here to tell you today, what, what decisions that you make today will be your victories and memories tomorrow. You can't change the past, but you can change the future. You can't change the mistakes and failures that you've made. Friend, I'll tell you what, we'll never be able to let, let that down or live that down. None of those things. But thank God, God doesn't, uh, amen, hold the past against us. He has the future ahead. And we just have to remember. We have to remember God's word and God's promises. Can I be honest? We, we forget real quick, don't we? I mean, we're just forgetful so quick. I, I don't do this anymore, but I, I used to do this, and I, I learned a lesson. My wife, oh, there she is right here. And, and so there'd be times where I, I tell my wife, I'm going to go to the store, and she said, okay, can you get a few items for me? And I said, sure, honey. Uh, what do you need? She goes, I think you should write them down. I go, no, no, I don't need to write it down. <laughs> I got it. I got it. What do you need? She said, I need some bread. You know, I need some eggs, I don't know, onions, I don't know what else. Uh, uh, get some peanut butter or jelly, whatever it may be. And I said, okay, got it, no problem, I got it. I, I, and she goes, you know, I'm going to jump in the shower. I said, that's fine. Uh, I get to the store, I got the bread, I got the eggs, and I'm going, what? What else did she say? <laughs> so I'm just walking around the store trying to think something might jog my memory. Come on, guys, you know what I'm talking about. I'm trying to get back, trying to step back. Maybe I might remember I'm walking around the store. Finally, I humble myself and I call. And guess what? She's in the shower. So now I'm walking around the store looking like a fool, like acting like I know. And I'm hoping like, oh, man, come on, come on. I'm texting. And finally she calls and she says, you forgot, didn't you? I go, just a little bit. You know, I have this down. And so finally, she, gets, she tells me what it is, and, and, you know, with the onions or whatever, peanut butter or jelly, whatever it was. And so now, when she tells me, I tell her I'm going to the store, I go, hold on, baby. I'm going to write it down right now. In fact, I'm going to speak into the thing so I make sure I get it right. I'll be honest, I've still forgotten sometimes even because I think I already have it. Anyway, let's move on. And so in Joshua chapter 3, I'm going to close with this. In Joshua chapter 3, God tells Joshua, guess what? You're going to cross over the Jordan River. And when you do, I, I want you to remember what I've done. And so the Bible says that the Jordan River is overflowing. I mean, it's overflowing. It's flooded. And basically, the Bible said they're to go over and cross. And, and the priests are to go first. And they're going to carry the ark of the covenant, which represents the presence of God. And the Bible says as soon as they step into the water, the, the, the water goes up and it stops and they cross over on dry land. I mean, how many of you know what it reminds you of? The Red Sea, right? And I can imagine the people of God because they've been wandering for 40 years ago. I remember that. Now I remember the power of God. 40 years ago, God did this. 
This is what my parents told me about. This is what others told me about. And they cross over. Now, here's the great thing about it. When they cross over, God says, now, I want you to go in the middle of that, of that river and get 12 rocks. And I want you to stack them over here as the memory of what I've done. Are you hearing me? In today's version, it would be, I want you to write down what I've done. I want you to remember what I've done. You know, for us, a lot of times, we, we, we need to write down some things. Maybe you ought to sit down one day and write down some of the things God's done in your life. Because we quickly forget. We quickly forget the change and transformation God's done in your life. Maybe you're not where you want to be, but you're not where you used to be. Hallelujah. God is showing you today. And so he said, I want you to build this pillar. I want you to do this as the memory of what I've done. Here's, what, here's my last scripture, and I'm going to read this, the last one, because we forget that God can make the impossible possible. Numbers 11.23 said, the Lord answers Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? In other words, you think I can't reach out there? You think I can't do this? Now you will see whether or not what I say will come true for you. I'm going to say to everybody here in this building, is the Lord's arm too short? Many of us think, well, God can't do this. God can't reach over and do this. God can't reach in this situation. God's arm's not too short. It could reach across this room. It could reach across every situation in your life. It could reach across every circumstance you're going through. God said, you watch and see if I can't do what I said I'm going to do. We need to understand if we remember, if we're going to pass it on to the next generation, we need to remind our children who God is. We need to remind the next generation the power of God. Are you listening to me? See, I'm determined as the pastor to let this next generation know that the power of God is still real. As real as it was when I got saved, when I gave my life to Jesus. See, I gave my life to Jesus when I was 16 years old. And I'm going to tell you this. I've said this before. When I came to the altar that day, when I gave my life to Jesus that day, I said this to God. This is it. I'm never going back. I'm going to serve you the rest of my life. And I've kept that commitment. And I'm going to keep that commitment because I remember what God's done. And I remember the power of God that day. See, I remember that day like yesterday. And every time I say that, I feel like crying. See, like right now I'm getting emotional because I remember that day like yesterday. See, if I'm going to serve God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be all in. See, the problem with some of you, you want to serve God, but you're not all in. If you're not all in, you're not going to make it. It's all of you or nothing. You got to go in. You know, it's like a lot of us, we're like in the pool, we're kind of dipping our feet there. Brother, get in the pool, man. Get in, get your whole head wet, everything. Just get in there. Well, I only want to get a little bit. Now, you got to go all the way in. If you're going to enjoy the pool, you're going to cool down, you got to jump all the way. You don't want to serve God, you got to be all the way in. Halfway in, half stepping, a little bit in, a little dipping my toe. That's how some of you are when you walk with God. You're dipping your toe. You're walking along the railing. You got a little bit of, you're kind of splashing it up. Bro, jump in the pool, man. Come on. Get in there and thirst women. You don't walk with God. You got to go all in. All in. The reason why you can't get the peace and the fulfillment of God 
Are you hearing me? Because you're halfway in, halfway out. The reason why you can't, because you, you can't get it all. You can't get it all. You can't get all that God has for you because you're only halfway. You got to get it all in today. You got to remember who God is and what he's done and how far you've been. If you'll just get in, you'll experience the power of God. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.